0: Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, If you like mysteries, one of the more interesting tasks that we have in interpreting the letters of the New Testament that Paul, John, Peter, and others wrote is trying to figure out what prompted them and why they were written. Usually, we have to work backwards. We take what was written in the letter and determine what that would have been responding to. In some cases, it's pretty clear. For instance, Paul begins the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians with, Now, for the matters you wrote about, and then talks about marriage. So, the Christians in Corinth must have asked him certain questions regarding marriage. But in other cases, there's a lot more sleuthing and supposition involved. We are not told, for instance, in Paul's letter to the Romans, whether he was responding to some particular news or some specific inquiry from the church there, or if the Holy Spirit had simply prompted him to write to them about the things that he wrote to them about. The two letters... Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, are some of the easier letters to figure out in this respect, because the apostle is clearly responding to specific issues that they were facing and questions that they had. And we can be thankful for that, because one of the big questions that they had is, is one that Christians have been asking since the very beginning and will probably keep on asking until the end. What happens to believers when they die? What can we know about them? Paul begins to address this in the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep so that you do not grieve in the same way as the others who have no hope. Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Our purpose today is to address this question even further. When we call this Saints Triumphant Sunday, who and what are we talking about? And when we talk about them, what can we say about them? What what can we know about the dead in Christ? The first thing we need to specify is that that we are only talking about people who have died believing in Jesus Christ as their Savior. We're not talking about atheists or agnostics, Buddhists or Baha'i cult followers or cultural Christians who claim the name but whose trust is entirely in themselves and not at all in the God of grace revealed in Scripture. The Bible has more than enough to say about what happens to those people when they die. But that's not our concern today, other than to remind ourselves that we do not want to be found among them, ever, and that we want to work and especially speak to keep those that we care about from ending up among them. But what exactly is the saving faith in Christ that matters in the end and for the end? We do not want to give the impression that that we should ever be satisfied with, with just the bare minimum of believing, but put most simply, the essential thing is that one puts one's trust in Jesus and only in Jesus. That Jesus, the only true and saving Jesus, is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Divinity and humanity united in one person so that he could live, act, obey, suffer, and die as our substitute and then, having crushed sin, death, and Satan on the cross, rise from the dead, so that all who follow Him can also have eternal life as He does. To live done with death, free from sin, and out of the devil's reach forever. Such saving faith leaves no room for trust in other gods, religions, or philosophies, in your own works or worth or, or, and no room for a, a, a meh indifference that simply counts one's faith or one's family's faith or one's ancestors' faith as one's own without actually bothering to believe it yourself. But those who die in Christ, who pass from this life believing in Him as their Savior, Scripture calls those people blessed. And we also call them saints. Contrary to common usage, that is not a term reserved only for the super special or super holy. Although when we capitalize saint, we're typically referring to one of the apostles or perhaps an important figure or martyr from the early church. But saint simply means holy one. And the Bible makes clear that every believer in Christ is such a holy one. Because through faith in him, all of our sins have been forgiven and taken away forever. And his own perfect righteousness has been transferred to us at the cross. So yes, we are holy. It is entirely accurate, then, to call everyone who has passed from this life into the next believing in Jesus a saint. Whether it's a particular hero of the faith, your dearly departed grandfather, or the obnoxious uncle who gets on everybody, got on everybody's nerves, but whose confession of Christ was clear, or even the serial killer who repented of his sins before his execution and put his trust in God's grace and the Son's costly sacrifice on the cross. All saints, every one, and every one of us, too, who believe in Jesus. That's why we can call the body of Christ, which we all belong to, the holy Christian church and the communion of Saints, because that's what we all are. This side of the grave in the Last Judgment, though, we are part of what's called the church militant because we are still at war with sin, Satan, and the wickedness of the world around us, not to mention our own sinful natures inside us. But once the saints make it to heaven and certainly once we are all together in paradise after the resurrection, then it is called the church triumphant because all the battling is done and the strife is over. Christ has the victory and His saints have won. Which means that those who die in Christ are at perfect peace And have eternal rest for their souls. Our reading today from Isaiah pictured that glorious existence with, with imagery that, though of course it's accurate, it still struggles to convey what awaits us because really that cannot be put into normal human words. But that, that blissful, perfect, peaceful, restful relief, that existence, is what our dearly departed brothers and sisters in faith are now enjoying. An end to every taint and effect of sin. No more pain or sorrow or suffering. No more troubles or tiredness. Never again a longing for something more or something better. Our reading today from Revelation Talked about the new Jerusalem that awaits us as our home. Talks about it as a new garden of Eden, full of life and the light of the Lord. A place where there is no longer any curse to be found. That is what we, you and I, have to look forward to as the saints of God. When our battling with sin is finally over, And we take our places among His people who praise Him for all He has done for them in that new and perfect home that we love to sing about where we will see again all of those who have gone before us. But in the meantime, the saints who have preceded us to heaven don't have to worry about time while they do still look forward to the last day when all will be put right and all Christ's people will finally be gathered to the new heavens and the new earth that He has prepared for us right now, they are already enjoying the greatest blessing of having left this world and life of sin behind because now they are forever with the Lord we don't often enough think about what that means. Remember that before they sinned, Adam and Eve enjoyed a perfect fellowship with God. They would walk with Him and talk with Him in the garden. But once they turned their backs on Him in disobedience, that relationship was shattered as sinners they could not and we cannot stand any more in his presence his absolute holiness cannot tolerate any imperfection or rebellion and since this side of heaven we still have a sinful nature even as god's redeemed children through faith we cannot approach him just as we are but once Once we shuffle off this mortal coil, we are free of that sinful nature. And there will no longer be anything standing between us and God as an obstacle or offense. We will be with Jesus our Savior, with God our Father and the Holy Spirit our Sanctifier, without fear and with love and joy forever, the relationship that was lost will be restored for good. Which is why we can refer to the saints triumphant and even to our fellow believers here and now in the church militant as our forever family. Those who have preceded us to heaven, like us, have have been claimed as the Father's own dear children in baptism and have been adopted into His family by faith. Jesus became our brother in His incarnation when He took on human flesh to become one of us. And He took our place in suffering and in death. And now, through faith, we recognize that we are all brothers and sisters together, all sons and daughters of God. Some of us in heaven already, some still waiting here below. The saints above, triumphant, who have finished the earthly race ahead of us, serve as an example and encouragement for us. In Hebrews 12, after speaking of the the heroes of the faith, we are told, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us get rid of every burden and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patient endurance the race that is laid out for us. The saints at the finish line, having finished the race, surround the course, and they cheer us on in this way, encouraging us to to stand firm in our faith and to live our lives, to run our race in joyful obedience and praise to the One who did and gave everything to save us, so that we too can finish well, finish in faith and then take hold of the prize that they have already obtained. Most of us don't think much about such things. Often it's only when we are grieving the loss of a loved one that we do. But we should consider it more regularly. Scripture certainly speaks a lot of the life that we have to look forward to. And it certainly is both a comfort to us when life is hard and an encouragement to us to work at all of the things God has called us to do while we still have the time. But Perhaps most of all these truths are worth remembering when we think about our loved ones who have died in the Lord. As we heard earlier from Paul in First Thessalonians, we do not grieve as others grieve. It's not that we don't get sad or miss those who have left this life. We certainly do, and properly so. Even Jesus wept. The difference the difference is that we know what happens with all who die in faith. They pass from a life of pain and strife and struggle into a new life as saints triumphant at peace and at rest in the perfect bliss of heaven forever with the Lord. And one day, perhaps soon, but in God's perfect time, whenever it comes, we will join them in our Savior's presence and live in joy as God's and our forever family. Hallelujah. Amen. Please rise. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, both soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.